Storehouse Dallas. Well, good morning again, everybody. We began a series last week called The Sacraments of the New Covenant Priesthood. We talked about baptism last week, and we talked about what a sacrament is. And so I gave us a couple of definitions, and so I'm going to ask for your help here in reminding me and helping me remind you what a sacrament is. So the first definition, I'll give you the first part, but then you got to give me the second part. So a sacrament is a sign of a... Yes, something sacred. Sacred thing, something sacred. A sacrament is a sign of something sacred or a sacred thing. Can you say that with me? A sacrament is a sign of a sacred thing or something sacred. Secondly, it is, I'll give you the first part again. It's an outward and visible sign of an inward, very good, So it's a, so here, well, let's try again. It's an outward, there's a kind of a clue, and a visible sign of an. <laughs> invisible grace. Very good. Very good. Very good. So we're going to try again. It's an outward and visible sign of an. And. Invisible. Grace. Very good. Okay. We're, we're getting it. We're getting it. One more time. It's an outward and visible sign of an inward, invisible grace. Very good. All right. See, you're learning. This is good. I love to learn. I hope we're going to learn more today. Um, but remember, so, so we talk about as a sign of a grace. It's a sign of a grace, an outward sign of an invisible grace. But that outward sign, that physical action, that visible thing that you do releases the invisible grace. There's an impartation of power There's an impartation of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is releasing grace to us through that physical, that outward action and sign. Okay? So, we talked about baptism last week. The outward sign was water, a bath. You get your body wet. We had a couple of baptisms last week. Jamie and Sonia, let's give them another hand. It was an incredible celebration. So the outward sign was we got them wet. We put them in water. We dunked them. But the invisible grace, what the Holy Spirit was doing through that outward sign was he was washing away sin. He was releasing a death and a burial of the old self, the old sinful nature, and he was raising them up in newness of life. It's very good. It was a crossing over from the old life of slavery and darkness and sin into a new life of freedom and sonship in Jesus Christ. And lastly, 
The invisible grace that was happening through that outward sign was a clothing with Jesus Christ. As many as have been baptized by him have been clothed with Christ. Galatians 4, 6. So this week, we're going to talk about the other sacrament that Jesus instituted, and that is the Lord's Supper. So the Lord's Supper, also called the Holy Communion or the Eucharist, if you're from a more liturgical background, I grew up Episcopalian, and so the term Eucharist is very near and dear to my heart. It's just the Greek word that means giving thanks or thanksgiving. We give a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to God. And so, um, but, but, but what we're going to mainly refer to it today is the Lord's Supper, um, because that's the main thing the Bible calls it. And the other ones aren't bad, but we like biblical language as much as possible. Um, but um, so we, we've, we've heard probably a, a number of messages or, or blurbs on uh, anytime we take communion, I try to give a little explanation. But today, something I really want to highlight, like I did last week, is the importance of this sacrament in terms of our new covenant priesthood through our high priest and King Jesus Christ. There's a special sacrament, a special grace that God has given his church that is empowering us to enjoy communion and fellowship with him in a way far greater than any sacrament of the old covenant. Amen? So, this sacrament of the Lord's Supper, it releases important benefits, impartations of life and power and grace from the Holy Spirit. And we minister to him, not in a tabernacle made with human hands, but a tabernacle in heaven, where Jesus the resurrected Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, our high priest and king. So, what is the Lord's Supper and what's the Holy Spirit doing in this sacrament? Let's turn to Matthew 26. You can open there in your Bibles or we'll have it here on the screen. Matthew 26, verse 26 to 29. Matthew 26, verse 26, says this. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, and saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So we have here in Matthew 26, Jesus is sharing a meal with his disciples. He's announcing, he's just announced before this meal that he's going to be betrayed by one of his inner circle, by one of the 12 that had walked with him and followed him and heard him and touched him and seen him do miracles and actually were empowered by the Holy Spirit to do miracles with him. One of those men would hand Jesus over to be crucified, Judas Iscariot. He shares a meal, a covenant meal which we'll talk about in a few moments. He says, this is the blood of my covenant. So a covenant is taking place in this special meal. But not only does he predict his own 
betrayal, he says, after tonight, after I'm handed over to be crucified, I am, all of you are going to depart. All of you are going to scatter. <laughs> all of you are going to abandon me. And Peter, who was in his inner of inner circles, he said, you're going to deny me three times before the, before the rooster crows this morning. Rough night for Jesus. All of his friends are about to abandon him. But it's a glorious night as well. So let's talk about covenant meals. So in the Old Testament, we see a lot of meals. We see a lot of food sharing going on. And what's interesting is we see this meal sharing happening not only between people and people, but between people and God. So meal sharing is very important. Meal sharing in the ancient world, and actually in many other cultures today, sharing a meal is much more than eating food. Sharing a meal is a sign of hospitality. It's a sign of peace. It means we're on good terms. You know, I was in uh, um, Lebanon a few years ago, and I stayed in a little village named Dermimez, and it's by the well is the address. <laughs> so <laughs> I was uh, going to visit a friend, um, Sarah Nimi, Sarah and Wilson, you may know them. Um, they were getting married back in 2014 in Lebanon and, um, and, and their little village. I'm trying to leave a home address for my parents um, as I'm about to go um, to Lebanon for the first time. And I'm asking my friend, Sarah, what's the address here? And she says, well, in villages like this, there aren't really addresses. So... We just say, like, by the well. <laughs> and so I am at the airport when I land in Lebanon, and I'm at the, uh, the, the customs check-in um, in the airport, and they're looking at, you know, you fill out everything, everything you're bringing into the country. Um, um, and and, then, and he's, the, the guy's asking me, he's like, um, who, who are you staying with? And I said, I'm, I'm staying with the Nimi, uh, the, I'm at the Nimi residence, with the Nimi family. He says, what, where, where's the address? Where are you staying? I said, it's the Nimi residence in Dermimez by the Ratami well. And he says, oh, okay. <laughs> I just was like he knew where it was. And I was like, wow, what's with this well? Um, I took pictures of it when I got there. I'm like, here is the well. <laughs> um, but, um, but I would walk around the village and um, everywhere I went, I mean, people are just kind of sitting on their porch and it's one of those places where you can really go around and they say, oh, come in, come in, come in, come sit down. Let me make you some Turkish coffee. Let me make, get some bread. I mean, there was like... 80-plus-year-old woman, I mean, totally hunched over and, like, didn't speak English, super sweet woman, um, and she, like, goes into the kitchen, makes coffee, brings out bread, and she is, like, bringing it by herself. I'm like, can I help you? It's like, no, 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 <laughs> you know? So it's, it's a very important thing, and what they're doing, they're showing me hospitality, and they're giving me a sign of peace. And we see that throughout the Bible. Um, let's turn to Genesis chapter 14. It's up here on the screen as well. Genesis 14, 18 through 20. We see a meal. Um, Abram, later known as Abraham, his nephew Lot gets in some trouble, gets caught up in a giant civil war going on in the Middle East. Lot and his 
family get captured. So Abraham stirs up his servants and says, we got to go take care of Lot. We got to go get him out of this trouble. So Abraham and his own little army defeat one side, a a number of kings in this civil war. Um, And so, um, and they rescue Lot. And um, the, the other kings that were on the other side, like, they're like, man, Abram, thanks. <laughs> you know, did them a big favor that Abram and his army knocked out the other guys. So the king of Sodom and the king of Salem come out and greet Abram in Genesis chapter 14. And here's what happens. Verse 18. And Melchizedek, say Melchizedek. Very good. King of Salem brought out bread and wine. Sound familiar? Now, he, Melchizedek, was a priest of God Most High. He blessed Abraham. What did he say? He said, blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. He gave him, Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of all. I want to say so much about this that we don't have time to go into today. But this is one of the most important shadows, figures, prototypes of Jesus Christ in our Old Testament. That we have the priest of Salem come out and greet Abraham, offer him bread and wine, bless him, and say, God has delivered you from your enemies today. Why is this significant? The book of Hebrews. We have a great and high priest, Jesus Christ, in the order of Melchizedek, which we'll hit on in a few moments. Oh, so much to say there. So, but Melchizedek, a priest, a blessing, bread and wine. They share a meal. Sign of peace. Abram, uh, later in Genesis 17, we're not going to turn there, but um, Genesis 17, 18, God makes his covenant with Abram, and then these three angelic beings show up at Abraham's door. And um, 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 I believe that the, the, the center of them, this is common throughout church history to interpret in this way, that the, the main of these three angels is a pre-incarnate Jesus. Um, it is the angel of the Lord. And Abraham shares a meal with them at his house. It's just absolutely incredible. Genesis 17, 18, you got to check it out. Um, He gives them bread and beef and yogurt, which they do in the Middle East. I've been there. It's like, wow, there's yogurt with my steak. That's awesome. Um, We don't do that a lot in America, but we just put cheese on everything. (laughs) Beef and cheese. Makes life better sometimes. All right. So, um, so these, these were some meals that were very significant. Um, but there's, there's something more I want to highlight about some meals in the Old Testament. And those are covenant meals. And these are very special. Because they not only confer a sign of peace, a sign of hospitality, they confirm a covenant. They confirm a holy bond of affection, of loyalty, of love, and it confirms promises and benefits and terms that must be upheld. So, a couple of covenant meals. First, God makes a covenant with Noah after the flood. I will no longer flood the earth again. And he blesses Noah, the same thing that he gave Adam and Eve in the garden. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. 
So God blesses him, and Noah builds an altar, sacrifices animals. And beloved, I, I don't know about you, but I forget this sometimes, that they didn't just sacrifice animals in the Bible, and they just like kind of vanished. Like, they ate these things. You know, this was a meal that they were sharing in the presence of the Lord. A sacrifice was taking place, a meal was taking place, and a covenant was being confirmed. Genesis 15, God makes a covenant with Abram. He promises him descendants. He promises him land, and he says, I will be your God and your descendants, God, forever. That is my covenant with you. Let's eat some meal. Let's eat some beef. Hallelujah. The Passover in Exodus 14. The Israelites are about to leave Egypt, and God is releasing the final plague of these ten plagues. This last plague that God is about to release on Pharaoh, whose heart was hard against God, who refused to let the people of God go, God finalizes these plagues by striking the firstborn of every family in the land of Egypt. And that night, there was a great cry in the land when that angel of death struck the firstborn. So, but before God does this, he tells the Israelites, look, this angel of death is about to be released on the earth. And there's a meal that I'm about to tell you that you need to keep. And it's very important because if you don't keep this, that angel of death is going to come knocking on your door. And so he said, you're going to keep this Passover meal. You're going to take a lamb, you're going to slaughter it, and you're going to put the blood of the lamb over your doorpost. And when that angel of death is passing through the land and he sees that blood, he's going to keep moving. He will pass over your home. And the people of God, even the, 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 their, their own cattle were preserved because they participated and they did what God said in this Passover meal. We're going to say more on this in a few moments as well. It's very important. Um, the last meal I really want to highlight, covenant meal in the Old Testament, is in Exodus 24, 8 through 11. And we have a slide for this one. This is one of the most important meals, if not the most. You know, you could argue for Passover as well. But in the Old Testament, because this is where God confirms a covenant with Israel. And this is the actual covenant that we mean when we say the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. It's this right here in Exodus 24. This is the covenant that's being confirmed. So, and it's pretty intense. There's a lot of sacrificing going on. Lots of animals are killed. Moses is gathering the blood and just and pouring it all over the, the altar and the elements of worship and on the people. I mean, it was like, this is pretty graphic and intense. Um, but something important is happening. So, um, Moses pours blood on the altar and the people, and then they share a meal with God. Let's read it. Exodus 24, verse 8. So Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant. Remember those words. Which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Abihu, Avihu, however you want to say it. 
You know, we read all these words in our Old Testament. When we actually like go into the New Jerusalem and we meet these guys and we hear their names, like, oh yeah, that's it's what I thought the first time I read it. Um, Melchizedek, it may be something totally different. <laughs> totally botched the names. That's okay. We do our best. Nadab and Abihu and the 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. <sighs> Jesus. May we see him face to face. And under God's feet, there appeared a pavement of sapphire, as clear as the sky itself. Yet God did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel, and they saw God and they ate and drank. Jesus. God shared a covenant, and he, conf- he gave them a covenant. He confirmed it with blood, and he shared a meal. The God of Israel invited them to come on this giant sapphire sea and behold his glory and share a meal. So, when we see the whole sacrificial system and the feasts of the Old Covenant, which we won't get into, so much more to say that in this, the, uh, um, but, um, um, but lots of meals going on in the Old Covenant. But then in the New Covenant, back to Matthew 26, we see Jesus once again, God in the flesh, saying, here's the blood of a covenant, and he shares a meal. So let's, let's talk a little bit about this new covenant in Christ because we're a new covenant priesthood and we're celebrating new covenant sacraments and they release an important impartation of the life and power of God. So the old covenant through Moses, it had a, it had a priesthood. It had a high priest, Aaron, his sons. It, it, all the Levites were a part of this priesthood. They participated in these sacrifices. It had an earthly tabernacle where they brought their offerings and sacrifices. Morning sacrifice, evening sacrifice every day, feast at the beginning of the year, feast in the middle of the year, feast at the end of the year. I mean, all kinds of things were going on. Um, and that, so it sacrifices meals and the shedding of blood. And so that's the old covenant. But in our new covenant with Jesus Christ, we actually have all of those same things. We have a high priest, Jesus Christ. We have a priesthood. You are a holy nation. You're a royal priesthood. You've been washed and cleansed by his blood and made kings and priests to our God forever. And we offer sacrifices in a new covenant way. And we minister, not in an earthly tabernacle, but a heavenly tabernacle, where our high priest offered himself as a perfect sacrifice for all time. Hebrews 8, chapter 6. It's on the screen. I'm reading out of the New Living on this verse. But now Jesus, our high priest, has has been given a ministry that is far superior. Far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. 
Friends, we've got a better high priest, Jesus Christ. We've got a better um, temple made not with human hands, but made in heaven by God himself. We have a better priesthood because we've been cleansed with a better sacrifice named Jesus Christ. And we have a better covenant based on better promises because we have a better king, Jesus, than the earth has ever seen. Amen? What is this new covenant? What are the promises and the blessings God has given us through his son, Jesus Christ? Hebrews 8, chapter 10, chapter, I'm sorry, Hebrew chapter 8, verse 10 through 12. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Everyone from the least to the greatest will know me, will know me, will know me. Everyone will know me already, and I will forgive their wickedness, and never again will I remember their sinful deeds. Amen. So God in this new covenant promises to write his laws on our minds and on our hearts. That's very important, because sometimes we think of the new covenant like we don't have to obey God anymore. It's like, what are you talking about? The new covenant is that the laws of God go, God, by the fire of his finger, inscribes them and writes them on your heart. He renews your mind with the word of God to bring you into alignment with his word, with his ways. I will be their God. In the Old Covenant, he wrote his laws on cold, hard stones, which symbolized the the stony, hard, stubborn hearts of the people of Israel. A whole generation died in the wilderness when they received that covenant because they refused to keep it, even though they promised that they would. But in the New Covenant, God writes his laws not on cold, hard stones, but on soft, tenderized hearts of flesh that he gives us by the power and the renewal of his Holy Spirit. And he says, I will remember their sinful deeds no more. So I tell you, when that devil tries to come at you and tries to accuse you, because he accuses the brethren day and night, he is constantly reminding us of our sins, and he's constantly reminding God of our sins. But under the new covenant in Jesus Christ, it is, I will remember your sins no more. I will wipe them clean, not only from your hearts, but from my own mind. And in eternity, I will look at you and I will never, I will never, I will never bring up that sin. This new covenant, the power of this new covenant in Jesus Christ, a better covenant based on better promises, it gives us better boldness to approach God. Hebrews 10, 19, 22. We read this last week, but I love this. I want to remind us of it. Hebrews 10, 
Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, that's really key, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, there was a tearing of his flesh, a shedding of his blood, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Jesus Christ, our high priest in the order of Melchizedek, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Praise Jesus. We have confidence because of the tearing of his flesh. We have confidence because of the pouring, outpouring of his blood to enter into this holy place in heaven, having our hearts washed, cleansed, purified from the defilement of sin. So we minister to God as a new covenant priest, not in an earthly tabernacle, but a heavenly one. And we enjoy the benefits of this new covenant. And God confirmed this covenant through a meal, a sacramental meal, A meal that is an outward and visible sign of an inward and invisible grace called the Lord's Supper. So, let's talk again about Matthew 26. Jesus said, he took bread, he said, this is my body, which is given for you. He took a cup and he said, this is my blood of the covenant. Exodus 24. The blood of the covenant. But what's significant to remember about this covenant meal that God made, that Jesus made with his disciples, is that it happened during Passover. This was a Passover meal that they shared together. The very night that Jesus is handed over and crucified. And this is significant because the Passover meal involved the sacrifice of a lamb. The first thing John the Baptist says when Jesus steps on the scene for his ministry is, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Why did John call him the Lamb of God? What does that mean? What significance does that hold to us? Uh, to us? And what does it have to do with the Lord's Supper? Well, let's go back to Exodus so we have the Passover meal in Exodus 12. We have a feast of unleavened bread. And we have the memorial of redemption. God brought them out of Egypt. And we have them leaving Egypt. So a lot going on in Exodus 12. You can go back and study it. I'm just going to give an overview. So God, again, he's about to strike the firstborn of Egypt. Yet he tells the Israelites to slaughter this lamb, put the blood on the doorpost, and, the, and, the, uh, um, and it will pass, the angel of death will pass over you. So there's a few important elements to this Passover meal. They're going to point directly to Jesus Christ and what he's doing in this new covenant. First, the lamb that was sacrificed at the Passover meal had to be a lamb without spot, without blemish. No defect. Each family slaughtered a lamb and they ate it in their homes. And I'm going to get into this at the end, but 
I think the Lord's Supper in homes is just so important. Um, so I'll hit on that little highlight there for the end. Um, but they roasted the lamb, they ate it as a meal, they spread the blood over the doorposts, and then Exodus 12, the blood shall be a sign for you and on the houses where you live, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will appear or befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So, a spotless lamb. Jesus, the lamb of God, is our spotless lamb. He is without sin. He knew no sin. And what's incredible about this is that Jesus, he's the eternal son of God. I mean, God, the son, is in God the father for all of eternity. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. John chapter 1. And he came in the flesh and he became a human being and he became like us in every respect except sin. He is a spotless lamb. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. When the enemy comes against you and accuses you for sin, for struggle, as you are sincerely repentant, you really want to break free of these sinful habits, you can declare this word that Jesus, he was without sin, but he became sin for me. And I, Matthew, I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. We want to get these words in our hearts and out of our mouths, and it will give us power to walk free of the law of sin and death. The blood of Jesus on the doorpost of our heart, it washes away sin. It frees us from the curse of sin and death. Second, Jesus, or I'm sorry, the Israelites, they ate the Passover meal just before God struck down their enemies. They crossed over out of slavery into worship, into freedom. And so Jesus, by his death on the cross, it says he rendered powerless the one who had power over death. That he triumphed over the principalities and powers, having defeated them at the cross. And so just as God defeated Israel's enemies at Passover, he drowned them in the waters of the sea, so this new covenant in Christ, we come up from the waters of baptism, having drowned the powers of darkness, and by the blood of Jesus, having broken the power of death and of slavery and of sin over our lives. We come up new, we come up free, we come up washed, we come up sons. And the evil one has no power over you. When you take communion, when you take the Lord's Supper, what we are saying, we are proclaiming the death of Jesus Christ. We are saying, I am a child of God. I've been bought with a price, and the power of death and hell has been broken off of my life. In Jesus' name. Third, the, the, uh, I'm sorry, fourth, um, where are we? Second, they struck down the enemies. Oh, third, 
They, they, Israelites, they crossed over the Red Sea, or through the Red Sea into the Promised Land, um, where they were made a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. So not only did they come out of slavery, they came into a priesthood. They came into a life of worship and fellowship with the living God. It was, let my people go. Not so they can go and sin, but so they can let my people go so they can go and worship the living God. <laughs> we go and worship. We go from darkness and go and sin no more. And it's the power of God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's power in this sacrament of the Lord's Supper that will strengthen you to resist sin and walk in freedom and newness of life. We are a holy nation. We are a royal priesthood because of the blood of Jesus. Fourth, along with the Passover, the Israelites celebrated the feast of unleavened bread. They celebrated, they ate unleavened bread for seven days Leaven in the Bible is a symbol of sin. Once again, Jesus, he's without sin. He's the bread of life. He's the bread of heaven. He became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And because he was tempted yet without sin, as our high priest, he has compassion for us. And we can come to the throne of grace boldly because we have a high priest that says, I may have been without sin, but I knew the temptation that you've, that you've gone through. And I'm going to be compassionate towards you. And we can find mercy if we've sinned. And we can find grace if we need help. Fifth, only those circumcised were allowed to eat of the Passover. No uncircumcised males. No clip. No dip of bread in the cup. <laughs> you know, like this... I had a friend that like got his kids circumcised by some rogue rabbi in a hotel. Like, side of, it was really bizarre. Anyway, um, I don't know why I shared that. Um, <laughs> but I am talking about circumcision and the eating of this Passover meal. Um, it's, it's extremely important to God. You could not eat this meal if you were not circumcised. And did you know that in the New Testament, circumcision is still commanded of every single person that wants to share in this new covenant? In fact, if you have not been circumcised in the new covenant way, I'm gonna, I want to make an altar call at the end and everyone come up and we'll do a mass new covenant circumcision right here on stage. Any hands? <laughs> We got one. Okay. I got the sword of the spirit. I am ready to do some business. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll be glad to know, Trey, that the difference between circumcision under the old covenant and the new covenant is the organ that gets circumcised. 
In the new covenant, God circumcises our hearts. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Big sigh of relief. But to be serious, if we can after that. Um, it sounds easier. It sounds better. It sounds like a relief. But actually, it's quite difficult for a lot of us. Because in a new covenant circumcision, in a new covenant cutting away of this old heart and this old flesh, it's things that we really like to cling to a lot of the time. It's things that we might enjoy. It's things that we might find our identity in. But they've got to go. They've all got to go. And some of us, we, we just hold on to that one thing. We're like, God, I, I don't want to let go of this. I want to hold on to this right here. And God says, look, I know this seems really difficult. I know it's, you think you need it. I know you think it's who you are. But I'm telling you, this is not my, my, this is not my plan, my purpose for you. This is not who you are. And it may seem difficult to you, but nothing is too difficult for me. If you will put your heart on the table of the Lord, on the altar, he will come and he will cut that thing away for you. But you have to, have to say yes to him. And you have to let it go. Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Probably my favorite. <laughs> you have Eustace, this little annoying English boy that just is boarding school guy. Not that English boys are annoying. Um, <laughs> oh, Melanta. Golly. I'm just like having to recover from so many things today. Um, but um, he turns into a dragon in the story. And Aslan comes. And Aslan says, I'm going to help you out here. But you've got to be still. Is it going to hurt? Yes. And the claw of the lion and he cuts off the flesh of the dragon and he comes up new that is what happens in this new covenant with Jesus Christ so let us come to the table of the Lord let us share this covenant meal together um, ushers if you'll begin getting the elements ready we won't distribute them quite yet, I'm gonna sh um, but um, in just a couple of minutes, we'll start passing those out. Um, so a sacrament's a sign of a sacred thing. It's an invisible, an outward sign of a, it's an outward and invisible, an outward and visible sign. Who came up with that definition? Um, it's an outward and visible sign of an inward and invisible grace. So what is the grace being released? Well, the signs are bread and wine. And the grace being released are these three things. And we close with this. It's a remembering of Jesus' sacrifice for us and the benefits that we share under the new covenant. It's a receiving 
of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And it's a remembering, a remembering, a rejoining together of the many members of the one body of Jesus Christ. We remember Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. We remember that we've been washed and cleansed. We remember all the promises and benefits, salvation, healing, deliverance, prosperity. God has promised us all of these things. Better covenant with better promises. You know, friends, I just want to say real quick, some of us look at the old covenant and we look at those blessings. We're like, wow, those were really cool for them to enjoy. Those old covenant blessings of Deuteronomy. We've got a better covenant with better promises. And so not only are all those outward blessings of Deuteronomy 28 available to us, healing, salvation from our enemies, of, of a cleansing, of uh, a, a, a freedom and a prosperity, but also an inward. We get all of those outward, but we get the inward too. And that's why it's better, because it's eternal. Oh, say so much more. We receive the body and blood of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, just going to blaze through this. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we partake one bread. So we participate, we commune, we fellowship with the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Now, what do we mean when we say that? Well, this, what we mean has caused so many church splits over church history. What do we mean? Are we physically eating the very body and blood of Jesus Christ? Are we spiritually eating it? Are we sort of eating it? Friends, I just want to stick to the words of the, of the Bible here, to be most clear. That we share in the body and blood of Christ. We Fellowship, we receive an impartation of the life of his body and blood through this sacrament. What does that look like? Philosophical, what's happening with the bread? We're not going to get into that. We're going we're to believe the, Lord of Jesus, the word of Jesus. He said, this is my body. This is my blood. Take it, eat it, drink it, and it will benefit you. You will receive an impartation of divine life, John chapter 6. He is the bread of life, the bread of heaven, and we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and not loving our lives to the death. Lastly, we remember the body of Christ. We are many members, one body. And when we partake of the supper, the Lord's Supper, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace is released over the church. We become one with God, and we become one heart and one mind with each other. And I believe God is going to use this sacrament to reunite his broken body throughout the entire earth. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I think part of it, a big part of it, will come in putting away offense and bitterness and jealousy of recognizing what God is doing in this sacrament and of sharing this meal together in the bond of peace. It was at this very meal that Jesus said, Father, may they be one as you and I are one. So, 
if ushers will begin passing out the elements. I'm going to have worship come up. Because I believe that this sacrament is not only important to share as we come together in this church setting, in this building, I believe the Lord is going to begin stirring on a lot of hearts to share this in homes more frequently. Um, and so I've made a, um, a little booklet that you can come up. It'll be on stage after service and grab on how to ha- take the Lord's Supper in your home. There's just a simple, real simple format, simple prayers, um, and, it, and it goes through the essentials. Because there are really three basic essentials for sharing this supper properly. The first one are the right elements, which you're receiving now. Bread and wine, or grape juice, which we're using today. The second essential are the right words. The, um, and these will have the words in them for you. I listed the scriptures, but I also just printed them out for you so you can read them right there. Jesus, he used these very words. This is my body. This is my blood. Those words are very important to celebrating the sacrament properly. And last of all, the last essential is the right heart. A heart of forgiveness towards each other. A heart of humility and love. It's in this sacrament that we forgive offenses towards each other. That we put away jealousy. The hurt from someone overlooked me or did something wrong to me. We, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. come together and we share in this bond of peace. We remember what Jesus has done for us by his sacrifice. We receive his body and blood and we remember, we regather the body of Christ. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you would like to partner with us, you can visit storehousedallas.com forward slash give or you can send a text message with an amount to 84321. Thank you very much for your contributions.